The following podcast may be unsuitable for children or more sensitive listeners and may contain explicit language. The Paper Machete, a weekly live magazine, issue date September 6, 2014. You are at a live magazine. You're going to hear comedians, journalists, and orators talking about current events, pop culture, and American manners. You are at a weekly salon in a Chicago saloon. My name is Christopher. I am your editor-in-chief, Go-Go Boy, Cabaret Cabbie, Show Business Shaman, Impish Impresario, and Masters-less Master of Ceremonies. Table of contents this week. What do the bed bug infestation, the missing albino cobra, and the nude celebrity photo leak all have in common? All of these topics have spent the week shoved up the asses of some of Chicago's best writer performers. And today we will fart up a socio-political storm. Plus, today we have from WFMU, Mr. Dave Hill is in the house, you guys. Very exciting. And your tidy whities will be rocked off by the gang from Bad, Bad Meow, yeah! Masthead Roll Call, Dave Hill, Samantha Irby, Bad, Bad Meow. Each and every one a Scientologist. And today, as usual, the drinks will be poured into stomachs by you, our loyal audience of almost late bloomers, cheap beer consumers, early adopters, dialogue prompters, clever assholes, chicks with brass balls, daytime drinkers, culture vultures, dreamers, schemers, screamers, nice, decent church people, and all the members of the Obama administration who are listening today live via wiretap. If you can hear my voice, then ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, hipsters and hopheads, writers of op-eds, mindaman, unheron, and kinfolk, this live magazine is officially live. And we are all about to read it together. I'm so excited to have our special guest essayist uh, from New York City. Uh, he's both a stand-up comedian, and he's written for a lot of important journalistic publications. You know him from the goddamn Dave Hill Show on WFMU. He's headlining it up at Second City this weekend, and you're about to see him for free as he tells us about this terrifying story of the escaped albino cobra. Won't you welcome to the paper machete for the first time the delightful Mr. Dave Hill. Make him feel welcome. Hi, how are you? I'm incredible. Um, Cobras, will we ever really understand them? Probably not. But one thing for sure is that when it comes to America's number one fun time snake, cobras are pretty much the best. Slithering around, doing cool cobra shit 24-7 without even really trying. And basically not giving a f*** about anything while they're doing it either. And you can ask anyone. In fact, just this past week in scorching hot cobra-related news, a monocled cobra was discovered on the loose and living out loud in suburban Los Angeles. Home of the stars. In, in the interest of clarity, the monocled cobra, which is common in Southeast Asia and parts of India and China, can grow to more than four feet long and is so f***ing scary that it's not even f***ing funny. 
was not actually wearing a monocle <laughs> on his way to a fancy dinner party or a high-powered meeting with a local real estate magnate or anything like that, even though either one of those things would have been so amazing that it's actually kind of ridiculous. <laughs> Instead, the monocled cobra gets its name because of a ring or circle design on the back of its hood, even though that doesn't really make any sense either, so whatever. <laughs> Adding to the excitement, though, is that the monocled cobra was an albino cobra, not unlike Sean Patrick Flannery in the hit movie Powder, a, a film about a young, bald, albino boy with unique powers and a taste for mischief who shakes up the rural community he lives in and also tries to b this one hot chick until her father is like, oh my God, stop it, gross. And, and forces him to abort his romantic endeavor. Anyway, what happened was that somehow the albino cobra ended up getting loose in the Los Angeles suburb of Thousand Oaks. By all accounts, a great place to settle down and raise a family or simply be an extremely deadly venomous snake <laughs> with a penchant for good times all the time. <laughs> On Wednesday the Los Angeles Register reported that authorities had launched an urgent snake hunt in my pants. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I... No, just kidding. It was in Thousand Oaks, California. mentioned earlier, <laughs> where seven animal control officers were walking through the neighborhood, searching horse stalls and yards for the elusive white snake, which is in no way to be confused with the popular English rock band fronted by singer David Coverdale, who are perhaps best known for their hits, Here I Go Again, Still of the Night, and Is This Love? Even though the more one thinks about it, the idea of discovering the rock band White Snake in a horse stall, your backyard or a garage or something, though undoubtedly confusing on many levels, would basically be the coolest thing ever. Holy shit. Getting back to the albina cobra, though, Little is known about the wily and oddly sexy reptile who somehow <laughs> managed to capture the hearts and minds of the entire Thousand Oaks community with its offbeat good looks, ability to make light work of birds and other small mammals, and the overall joie de vivre that we so often associate with the cobra lifestyle. Since cobras are known to make great house pets, as long as they are kept out of striking distance of any and all living things at all times, or you simply don't give a f about dying at any 
given moment, it is suspected that the albino cobra, whose name remains unknown, despite having responded favorably to both Terrence and holy f- shit. When, when encountered by area residents, had been living with some complete and total nut job in an area home before deciding to slither out into the neighborhood on its own and see what's what, as deadly cobras are so often wont to do. It's nice to think that the cobra would have encountered and even made friends with other wildlife in the area while it was out roaming, but given that cobras are so often misunderstood and could also strike any living thing totally dead without even thinking twice about it, it is likely that all the other animals were total dicks about it when encountering him, even though the cobra, despite its extremely murderous tendencies, probably just wants to be loved and rubbed up on like everyone else. In more upbeat cobra-based news, the albina cobra was caught yesterday while just totally hanging out and being awesome in someone's backyard and will eventually be moved to a new home in the San Diego Zoo. I guess if there is anything to learn from this, it is this. Cobras, while able to survive just fine in Los Angeles, aren't exactly crazy about living in a town where it's showbiz, showbiz, showbiz. All the time, any more than anyone else, and who can blame them? Thank you. How beautiful was Mr. Dave Hill in his machete debut? How about that guy? You can see him tonight at Up Comedy Club, and you can listen to his WFMU radio show. Thanks for taking the plunge, brother. That was f***ing awesome. This week on Chewing the Fat, we've got milk. On our Raw Dairy episode, I'm Louisa Chu. And I'm Monica Eng. Join us as we dive into the latest battle of the Raw Milk Wars. We talk to cheesemaker Andy Hatch about why he won't be making his award-winning Raw Milk Rush Creek Reserve this year. And I dare Louisa to drink raw mare's milk, but will she? Download or live stream our podcast at wbez.org slash podcast and listen for a new episode each Thursday. All right. As we all know, this week a bed bug infestation has been reported in the New York City subway system. Very frightening. Fortunately, here today at the Paper Machete, we're very lucky to have with us an authority on the subject. Won't you welcome a representative from the delegation of bed bugs, everyone? Welcome him. <laughs> Greetings, flesh titans. Do not be afraid. I come not to sup your coppery red nectar. I visit you in the spirit of diplomacy and perhaps even friendship. I am Skaglar, King's Regent of the Northeastern Urban Province of Bedbugs, newest of the Yorks. 
Until the day our glorious king has completed his final nymph stage, I speak on behalf of my kind. Though I appear tall to you, I am in fact standing on the shoulders of 10,000 bedbugs, <laughs> writhing within this trenching coat construct. It allows us to pilot your human realm without incident and sneak into rated R movies. For millennia, our people have lived peacefully, nestled in the sweaty crevices of your colossal bodies, serenely raising our adhesive-egged children and teaching them our ways. But within these past hundred years, you ponderous golems have taken up the practice of personal hygiene and developed methods of eradicating our brood with chemical agents. Due to our trusting nature, we could not believe this was malicious intent on your end. Perhaps it was merely the byproduct of some other aim. And once you realized the harm you were causing us, you would quickly change your ways. Therefore, the whispers of genocide amongst our clan went unheeded until we discovered the terror-inducing truth firsthand. Just one week ago, your macabre weapons were unleashed upon my village without warning. And I could only look on helplessly as my brethren dissolved into a congealed soup of quivering legs and organs, the result of a gaseous component released by your extermination squads. Since then, I have learned that you shamelessly pay others to commit unconscionable acts upon insects that you refuse to perform yourself. Hmm, harumph. <laughs> Take this down. It was by sheer luck that I, Skaglar, was able to smuggle our king into the armpit of an unshowered teenager, hitching a ride to the Midwest. 300 more of us spilled out of his guitar case and into a dingy loft apartment within your city, exhausted yet determined to warn our kinfolk who ruled the northern middle kingdom of bedbugs. Imagine our horror to discover that their domain was similarly reduced to a scattered remnant its inhabitants tremulous shadows of a once mighty arthropedic sphere of influence. Hmm. We gathered our species together as best we could and agreed that we could not hope to fight you. We are not a warlike race and we are but few. We were doomed the very moment you swiveled your massive predatory eyes in our direction. And now we have nowhere to go. I am Skeglar. <laughs> the life of a refugee is a treacherous one, lived day to day on the edge of an assassin bug's proboscis. Look it up. <laughs> so we come to you, Chicago, the melting pot within the melting pot, our final hope. We do not ask for much, just four square city blocks of our own, and 1,000 comatose humans plump with blood. <laughs> Isn't that a small price to pay to keep an entire civilization alive? 
and, and we'll pay you accordingly. I mean, we're not parasites. In, a, in exchange for a home, we'll teach you our sacred ways. For instance, surely the male behemoths among you would benefit from our advanced sexual techniques. We can instruct you in the art of sharpening your genitalia into a saber-like phallus to spear your lover's abdomen and inject your sperm. And for all you feeb it feels good. And for all you female leviathans out there, we will teach you how to develop proteins to prevent your death once the sperm is forcibly deposited into your bodies. And that's just a taste of what we can offer you you vein-ridden endoskeletal mountains. <laughs> and we won't stay long, no. We beg bugs will remain on this earth for only a short time until the imminent arrival of our glorious Messiah. Soon, quite soon, he shall arrive on a holy river of blood, an ethereal maggot born from a soiled mattress belonging to one of our ancestors who sucked off Dracula. Or so the sacred texts tell us. We must not perish before the day we are raptured to the eternal blood clot beyond the stars. Think about it. You who are our destruction can also be our savior. Peace be upon you, you gargantuan bipedal tower mammals. Oh my goodness. My affection is boundless for the Chicago comedian known as Mr. Chris Hauser. Give it up. What a weirdo. Finally, uh, we turn our thoughts to media news, and this week's shocking nude celebrity photo hack here with commentary is the perfect person on the planet for the job. You know her. You love her. It's that sarcasm supernova, Samantha Irby, everybody! <laughs> uh, okay. This week, white Twitter exploded. <laughs> <laughs> and had to excuse itself from the dinner table holding a napkin in front of its rapidly wilting penis when dozens of stolen nude photos hacked from the phones of several female celebrities, including young starlets like Jennifer Lawrence and Ariana Grande, which at first I thought was the name of a Starbucks drink, made their way to Twitter from the internet circle jerks 4chan and Reddit. Okay, so since the leak on Sunday, posters on a non-IB, I can't even tell you how much young shit I had to Google to figure out how to write this <laughs> piece, an anonymous <laughs> image board which contains both a stolen photos board and a celebs board, 
and 4chan have hinted that there's some kind of nebulous gang of celebrity-focused nerd trolls toiling away in suburban basements across the country, pissed off at their moms for buying the wrong flavors of Go-Gurt, <laughs> trading or selling their wins. The multiple dates on the photos and vectors for hacking provide some circumstantial support to this idea. One 4chan poster even outlined what he claims was a years-old ring of celebrity <laughs> photo traders, a group that you could only join by providing your own nudes or buying your way in with Bitcoin, which is another thing I never heard of. <laughs> An anecdote. The first human labia I ever saw in real life belonged to my skinny, mean grandmother. My mom and my sister and I lived upstairs. My gram lived downstairs. My mom sent me down into the 10th circle of hell one afternoon <laughs> in search of a borrowed cup or two of cornmeal. After lazily searching the backyard and the kitchen for her, I heard water running in the bathroom and walked in there and immediately froze. There was my gram standing naked in her clawfoot bathtub, except for a thin pink robe and a starchy black wig smoking a cigarette and tapping the ashes into the steadily rising hot water. She glared at me, and then her shriveled taco opened up and said, it's on the third shelf in the pantry, you idiots. Which is to say, I do not understand the appeal of the leaked celebrity photograph. It's just sitting there talking to you about cornmeal, especially when there is so much delightful free porn. I watch a lot of weird ass porn. Not enough that it interferes with my everyday life, but just the right amount to keep me from shooting up a grocery store or a daycare or whatever. So this isn't coming, this isn't coming from some prudish place where the only acceptable romantic interaction with another human must involve candlelight and roses and soft music. I just don't get it. Here's the problem with cell phone nudes. They're totally boring. You all looked at the pictures. The only thing I noticed when those illicit pictures of J-Law <laughs> showed up uninvited to my Twitter party was that old girl probably needs to dust her living room occasionally. What is so exciting about these pictures? If the word sex crime weren't enough to be a boner killer, I for sure would lose my erection at the sight of Tatiana Venti's underage boobs. Good for those of you who got that. <laughs> the three of you through a bunch of projectile toothpaste spittle in a blurry hotel bathroom mirror. Also, why no male celebrities? Are little girls not learning to hack these days? Why no celebrity <laughs> dick photos? I have been the recipient of many unsolicited naked photos. It's the millennial version of a thank you card, I guess. <laughs> and I don't know if you've ever met any women before, but let me help you gentlemen out. Looking at a blurry cell phone shot of your semi-flaccid average size penis is quite possibly the least sexy thing I could ever imagine in my whole life. What am I supposed to do with that? Squint at my cell phone for an hour trying to figure out which part is the head and get grossed out by how weird your balls look 
because your shitty cricket phone takes grainy pictures. You can at least enlist the help of an art director or stylist or creative consultant or something. Dress it up in a little costume or pose it next to a bowl of fruit. You could drizzle some baby oil on it or maybe give it a tiny penis prop. Anything that says, I really put some thought into this junk shot. I'm sending you. No one feels like a special snowflake upon receipt of the hastily snapped, I was just taking a shit and looked down at my dick and thought of you photo. Sometimes a girl wants to know that you care, man, that you locked yourself in a quiet room in your mom's house and lovingly caressed your boner while thinking of her perfect face before artfully resting your dick on a decorative pillow and commemorating that moment for all of eternity with your eye penis or your dick berry. Is that too much to ask? But back to this. A gallery in Florida is planning to stage an exhibit featuring nude images stolen from women, including Scarlett Johansson and Jennifer Lawrence, and also a bunch of random bullshit taken from superstar celebrity trash. You thought that ridiculous prostate cancer charity drive was the worst decision to come out of this goddamn thing? Nope. An artist who goes by the name capital X-V-A-L-A, which I'm pretty sure is pronounced you, is planning to put the images on display at a gallery in St. Petersburg, Florida, hotbed of style and American culture. Since I can't make this kind of thing up, here is an excerpt from the press release about this horrible shit. Whoa. <laughs> that dude really hates this idea. Printed... <laughs> Printed on canvas, life-size and unaltered, the leaked images of Lawrence and Kate Upton will be the latest installment for you's long-awaited show, No Delete. Displaying the artists, that's a stretch, seven-year collection of images found on Google of celebrities in their most vulnerable and private moments, they were comprised by either hackers or the paparazzi. We share our secrets with technology, said you. And when we do, our privacy becomes accessible to others. What a f asshole. <laughs> so I'm not sure if you guys have heard this yet. This is some breaking news I'm about to drop on you. Um, I don't know if you've been paying attention to the wires or whatever. But uh, the DuSable Museum here in town uh, funded by a grant from Sharks, Chicken, and Fish. <laughs> and uh, underwritten by Luster's Pink Oil Hair Lotion. <laughs> is debuting a similar installation. I haven't really read this yet. So they're, they're debuting a similar installation featuring uh, an as-yet-unspecified local D-list blogging celebrity... In an exhibit entitled, Yes, I Took That Piece of Cake Out of the Garbage and Ate It. <laughs> Word on the street is that the collection contains, huh, a bunch of empty cheese hot dog packages and gently soiled extra absorbent drive weave panty liners. Hmm. And the hacked, naughty photos are reported to include shots of a half heartedly trimmed, rapidly graying, 
vaginal bush and a headless set of tits with gravy spilled down them. <laughs> I obviously need to change my passwords. <laughs> Machete is produced by me, Christopher Pyatt. Our managing editor is Kim Belware. Our sound engineer is Brian Heath. Our podcast is produced by WBEZ. Be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and visit us online at thepapermachete.com. Or you can catch us live every Saturday afternoon at the Green Mill in Chicago, home of the famous Uptown Poetry Slam. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 